0: You've entered the Celtic Centre with Adam, and today I'm joined by Tom Westerholm. How are you today, Tom? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. oh thanks for coming on, dude. I appreciate it. So, looking at the schedule, I mean, the schedule got released yesterday. How do you feel? Do you feel like we've got a tough start, or I mean, it looks quite tough on paper?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it'll be a little bit difficult, just with all the road games. Um, you know, that's, that, that'll be difficult. And then, yeah, obviously the, uh, you know, starting off the season with a couple of pretty talented Atlantic division, you know, rivals will be, you know, something to, something to keep an eye on for sure. But, you know, I think that there's probably something to be said for a team this new, getting an opportunity to hit the road early and, you know, kind of test themselves and get a chance to kind of hang out with everybody, you know, kind of exclusively. I think there'll be, you know, some benefit to that. And I think, uh, you know, it'll it'll be kind of an interesting proving ground. They're going to have to win right away or else there's going to be a lot of really uncomfortable questions. And, you know, if there's uncomfortable questions, we'll kind of see how they respond to that because last year's team didn't respond very well to it at all. So I'll be really interested to see how it goes. I mean, I think, you know, November will be a little bit challenging and then, uh, you know, December comes around and it, and it does kind of lighten up a little bit, especially in terms of the quality of opponents. So um, I think that first West Coast road trip will be tough. But other than that, I think it's I think it's fairly manageable, all things considered.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'll, the the second well, it's the tail end of the second, and then the third week in November just look hellacious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the first game against yeah, Philly is hurtful as well. Obviously, the owl leaving's quite fresh. So then to have to face him in the first game of the season just it's that final nail in the coffin.
1: Yeah, I mean it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I think you know, this, uh, I think it'll be really interesting to get a look at what kind of the uh, the big rotation can do against really talented bigs right away. Because the Celtics, I mean, that's that's the real hole in their roster is just big men, you know, big man defense. And that's going to be put to the test right away against, you know, probably, I think probably the best, you know, big man rotation in the league at this point with, with Embiid and Horford and, and Simmons as well. I think um, that'll be a really interesting test. And, you know, it'll be sort of a sort of a marker that the Celtics can measure themselves from as they go about the season and they start to, you know, they sort of try to navigate this this real issue on the roster that they have. I I think that we'll, you know, a lot of times the first game of the season isn't very telling, but I think we'll at least get some uh, some indicator from the first game this season just because of the matchup.
0: No, I completely agree. And when you're talking about the big rotation, it's quite interesting to look at the first what four games. Because you'll be going up against Embiid and Hawford as you said. Then you've got Gasol, and then Rich right. Robinson, which to me is one going to be a premier shot blocker in the league for a long time to come. And then you're going yeah. up against the Lopez brothers and Giannis. It's a really tough call for these new bigs entering the rotation.
1: Yeah, especially the way the Celtics tend to defend. Uh, you know, obviously with, uh, with with Giannis, they like to throw their centers at him. You know, just to see if he can because he's so. Um, reliant on being able to overpower people, and because he can overpower so many people. You know, I think we'll probably we'll probably see a whole lot of Shemi o'gile in that early Milwaukee game. Um, and I, I'd be curious to see how... I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of him against Philly, too. You know, just, to, again, a guy who's really powerfully built, you know, who, who's pretty versatile. You know, that type of guy on this year's roster, it just doesn't really exist. So, I mean, he'll, he, he'll get real minutes, and he'll get a real chance to sort of, you know, see if he really can be sort of that small ball center that Brad Stevens was talking about like two years ago at this point.
0: It'd be, I like Shemi. I think that he's uh, been very underused, but that's just because of the depth that the team had in those positions. Another guy I'm interested to see, and I'll be watching FIBA because of this as well, is Vincent Poirier. Uh, yeah. All the reports coming out of Europe. I mean, I'm quite fortunate in that. I'm unfortunate because I'm in Europe, but I'm fortunate, <laughs> to, but I'm fortunate to naturally be able to read a bit more in to Vincent Poirier than maybe you guys are over there. And from all reports, he's just a rim running rebounding machine that just likes to body guys. So hopefully if he can get in the rotation, even for 10 to 15 minutes a game, sort of what people were hoping Taco would be off the bat, but I'm doubting that's going to happen. I'm hoping that he could become just a big body, kind of feel Aaron Baines's like rotational position kind of just coming in there to be a big tough rebounder not relying on him for the minutes i mean sorry the points so much but no go ahead sorry
1: oh yeah no i i think that's i think that's right i think he's you know he's a he's definitely a talented guy that i think he would not have agreed to come over if he wasn't likely to get you know major minutes i I think that was something that um, was pretty clear from all the reporting over in Europe that he, if, if you were gonna, if you were an NBA team and you were hoping to convince Poirier to come over, like, yeah, you, you better, you know, obviously the money, but also, like, you better promise a real spot in the rotation. And, you know, I think that this Celtics team presented, like, a perfect opportunity for that because they're going to have to face, you know, Embiid four times a year, because they're going to have to face Giannis and all that. So, yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think he's, he's somebody to keep an eye on. And I actually... Early on, I, I kind of predicted that he was going to start um, on opening night. I, I don't know if I'm... Uh, I might back off that prediction at some point here. I think that they invested a little bit in Ennis Canner and um, I think that he'll probably get the nod at this point. But I do think that Poire is in for, for real minutes, and I think there will be games that he does start this season, just because, like you said, big physical guy who can who can rim run and who can you know sort of take on more of a traditional big um, that this team doesn't really have otherwise.
0: As a fan, if he can set hard screens make good choices in the pick and roll and understand how to set decent pin downs on the corners. I'll be happy with that. If he can get what eight points, six rebounds a night off the bench and he's setting good solid screens and smart picks. I think that's a perfect pickup from Europe for the money that you're paying. You're getting exactly what you need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially with, you know, Kemba, Uh, you know, with a, with a star guard like that. I mean, it, it, People kind of underrated, I think, uh, you know, the extent to which Horford, you know, setting screens and sort of running things that way, um, really helped Isaiah, especially uh, in his in his time in Boston. So I mean, you know, Kemba's obviously, you know, a, a somewhat different player, um, but similar in a lot of ways. You know, under a little undersized and, and still scores the ball really well, and you know, he's a guy who would really benefit from having a, a reliable a reliable screener who. who really makes contact and, and really opens up that that extra space for him as he's getting into his action so yeah no i think that i think that's spot on i, I think that having that guy to be the screen and roll to be the sort of the space clear is going to be really important this season
0: yeah especially with kemba synergy has kemba is leading the league last year and pick and roll as the ball handler so yeah i'm expecting that to be similar again this year i'm really intrigued to see how brad schemes now that he's he's never had this level of rebounder since he came into the nba so I'm interested to see if the way he sets the team up and the way they play kind of alters a little bit, or if we're going to be seeing guys like Cantor start trying to stretch their shot out to the three point line.
1: Yeah, I so from the just just from talking to you know people at the press conference and everything, it does sound like they're pretty committed to having Cancer try to space the floor in that way. I mean, I think especially when you consider how much this team is going to struggle defensively at the big position, you know, barring a big leap from Robert Williams. I I, I think that they're probably going to lean a little bit more toward trying to get back um, and stop people in transition because, you know, canter he's, you know, he's just not that fast really. Um, So having him, you know, trying to going after second chance opportunities and everything, I'm sure that'll be like something of a nice benefit, but it's when you're, when you're going to be this limited defensively at a very important defensive position, you know, I think you got to kind of try to do everything you can to to make sure that you limit it. Um, you limit the damage that's done in transition. So, you know, I, I would be surprised if they went all out in terms of you know searching for offensive rebounds. But I do think that you know having, I mean that that's Canner's really good at that. Like he, he's really good at, at you know hitting the glass and and getting those putbacks. And the Celtics saw a lot of that. So I mean, I think he'll. Uh, I think that will be an added benefit. Uh, I don't know that they'll necessarily change the scheme um, to. to to game plan for it but it'll definitely be something that they're happy to have i think
0: and where do you see grant williams fitting in we had a guest on not too long ago um and he basically said that he thinks grant williams is the iq equivalent of hawford already if not hawford could learn more which i thought was quite quite the claim (laughs) It's,
1: (laughs) it's definitely a claim um I, I mean, look, Grant Williams is really, really smart, um, you know, both on and off the court. He's, you know, just a, a genuine pleasure to interact with. I don't, he's not Horford yet. I mean, Horford has, you know, however many, nine years or whatever in the league of, of just being a, a real basketball savant in terms of IQ and, and in terms of helping a team, um, you know, it, and you maybe Grant can can get somewhere close to that. You know, I don't know. Um It kind of remains to be seen. He's he is really, really smart. And I think that he's going to maximize himself, um, which is a really important thing for a role player. Uh, But, you know, I think comparing him to Horford, I mean, Horford's one of the, you know, 10 or 15 smartest players in the NBA, if not higher. Um, So to say that about a rookie coming in, I think is probably a bit of a stretch, but he is very smart and he's really versatile. And, you know, I think. People are gonna kind of scoff at the Horford comparisons, but I mean they're not that ridiculous when you just consider, you know, that they're gonna the Celtics are gonna try to get um, Williams to space out to the three, you know, they're gonna let him handle the ball if he grabs a rebound and if he kind of decides that it's appropriate, they're gonna let him run the run the offense from the top of the uh, you know from the top of the key and and sort of as a a spacing five I think at times, um, or at the very least a spacing four. So, you know, it's not. It's not completely ridiculous to make a Horford comparison, but I mean, I think that there there is definitely a gap between the you know multiple time All Star who's been in the league for almost a decade and, uh, and and the rookie who's just coming in for the first time.
0: Oh yeah, it was a great claim at the time. We just drafted him, so I don't know if it was a bit of um, a <laughs> bit of excitement, but it was yeah, definitely... a little enthusiasm, yeah. <laughs> which is never a bad thing. Never a yep, bad yep. thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm quite happy with the rotation we've got. Where do you stand on Brown at the moment? Obviously, he's entering into a restricted free agency at the end of the year. I've actually been speaking quite a bit about the options available. Should we extend him before the rookie extension, which I think October 31st, is it?
1: Yeah, that sounds right, yeah.
0: And then, obviously, if that doesn't happen, we're going to see what happens if another team makes him an offer. When teams like Cleveland are likely to have around $60 million in cap space at the end of the year. I think Brown would play really well with a guy like Colin Sexton so there's a chance that they could make an offer. Mhm. Do you feel like he's going to be around after this season? Obviously we've got to see how he plays this year but I'm just kind of picking at straws whether you think he may get extended. Yeah,
1: I think you know I, I think the organization likes what they've seen from him obviously um over the last couple of years and I think it really helped him last year that he was you know will not only willing but also able to step back and really contribute um, as a guy coming off the bench you know he played he he did play really well in the second half of the season and I think he was definitely one of the guys who actually did kind of show up for the postseason Um, I think that they're I think they're going to explore every opportunity and you know this is just sort of reading the tea leaves not necessarily you know based on actual conversations but I just think when you look at Um, when you look at the draft and you see that they drafted Romeo Langford and you kind of know that you know Langford is a two and and Jalen's main position has been at the two um, you know for for a while now you know I'm not saying that they're going to um, you know offer him around uh, you know to teams or anything like that I don't think they're going to do that but I think that they would probably have to listen um, if a team made them an offer they really liked um, especially given that this roster is going to get really, really expensive if you max both Jalen and Tatum. And, you know, if if you do that, you better be sure that that combination is going to be a potential championship combination or that you can make a trade with one of those guys that will turn you into a a championship team. Um, And that's hard to guarantee. So, you know, they don't generally uh, extend people off their rookie deal. That's been pretty well documented. Um, Jalen, it really just kind of comes down to what you think the market is going to be for him next year. Cause it can go both ways, right? Like there's not going to be that many talented free agents on the market, but that's because there's going not going to be, you know, teams have, have tied up a lot of their cap space. So there's only going to be the teams like Cleveland or, you know, a few others that are actually going to have the room to make a run at Jalen. So um, I would expect them to like, if if he sticks around this season, I would expect them to at least explore, you know, the options, see, you know, like, like, Keep all the options open. If somebody makes an offer they really love, um, you know, at least consider it. Um, my guess, though, is that as of right now, it's not like if they signed Jalen to a good deal, he would be untradeable. And that's something the Celtics do generally try to like avoid backing themselves into corners. So um, I would expect them to extend him eventually. I don't think he's going to get the same deal that Ben Simmons and Jamal Murray got. Um, and you know, if that's the case, then I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer if you can get him at a little bit of a discount he's obviously shown enough to to give you a lot of hope going forward.
0: I'm all in on Jalen. I saw a comparison the other day where they were saying that, and I don't know how true this is. Obviously I'm very, very far removed from anything like this, but (laughs) (laughs) the front office were considering Jalen and Jason to be their Paul George and Kawhi Leonard long-term. If you, if they feel like that, if that's true, I mean, you never know how much truth with social media, you take everything with a grain of, well, with a pinch of salt, but, if that's how they feel, then I can see that happening. And then you have the flip side with Gordon Hayward. If he feels like he can command a long term contract on not as much money, but slightly less over a longer term, if he plays well this year, he could end up opting out because he has that player option, and then he can explore free agency. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that's an option for him if he really has a good year?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) Hayward is in sort of a situation that's just like the least ideal for the Celtics, because if he plays great, then he's going to opt out and they're going to lose a talented player. And if he plays badly, he's going to opt in and they're going to have to pay him 30 million dollars next season. Um, So it's really (laughs) he's kind of a lose lose at this point uh, for Boston. Obviously, you know, you would if you if you're the Celtics, you prefer that he plays great. And then, you know, either you lose him or, you know, you, you pay up to keep him, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that comparison for, for Jalen and, and, and Tatum is pretty, um, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's pretty optimistic. Uh, they've obviously they've both showed flashes of, 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 real star potential. Um, you know, that you'd like to see them, you know, this is kind of a prove it year for them, assuming that, that everything stays together. I mean, this is obviously it's a prove it year for Jalen cause he's got a contract coming up, but I mean, you know. Kyrie's gone now, like the, the convenient excuse that everybody kind of had last season where, you know, oh, the locker room doesn't really work. Oh, you know, everybody's been trying, but we can't really put the, you know, put the pieces together. At some point, you just got to kind of ball out. And, you know, these guys are, they're going to have a chance to do that this season. And, and if they can do it, then, you know, you'll have your answer. And, and if, you know, if Jalen plays great, then yeah, he's, he's a max player and, um, you know, they're just going to have to prove it. And I think that's going to be one of the really fascinating subplots of the season is how that You know how that trio sort of shakes itself out. Like who looks like who? Who looks like the keepers? Is is Hayward? You know, is he going to be good enough that you have to keep him around? Is is Jalen good enough that you have to give him a max? Is Tatum good enough that you give him the rookie extension this year and you sort of break your own rule? I I think those are all going to be really interesting questions.
0: I do feel like the biggest subplot, and I completely agree. And as a Tatum, massive Tatum fan, I've loved that guy since we drafted him. Um, I haven't seen a guy. I've liked as much as that since we drafted Paul Pierce. I'm showing my age there a little bit. Um, (laughs) I do feel like if Hayward plays well, then, and Jalen plays well, then we're really going to see which type of player the team prefers because then I doubt they're going to want to keep both of them knowing they need to extend or re-sign Tatum next year due to the cap restrictions. That's putting a lot of money in three guys with very similar positional play.
1: Yeah, I, w- I will say. I mean, it depends on how good the team looks. Like if if they both play really well, and the Celtics, you know, get bounced in this, you know seven game series in the second round or something like that, then yeah, for sure. I mean, they'll they'll probably you know try to move on from that in some way or sh- shape or form. Um, but you know, if they, if they all play great, and you know, maybe the Celtics make like a surprise run at the finals or something like that. Like if it looks like there's a if it looks like there's a future there, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna spend what it takes to to build a contender. Like that that has that has been like sort of the documented thing. Like they, if they think that this, if they think that they can put together a contender, they're going to spend the money. So really kind of, I, I'm, I'm with you generally. I don't think that, you know, Jalen Tatum and Hayward probably are a contender, um, you know, going forward. But you know, I think the Celtics will sort of wait and see because, you know, they're, they're not afraid to spend money if it, if it means that they're going to be in contention.
0: And I really hope they do. I mean, as a fan, you want to see them do as, as well as possible. I do feel like they're trying to straddle that line between immediate contention and longevity, which they've been trying mm-hmm. to do for a few years now. That's no new news there at all.
1: Yeah, they definitely are. And it's interesting, too, because I, I, I kind of felt like that might have been a part of the problem last year, was just like them trying to straddle that line um, and also, you know, trying to keep trade assets available for Anthony Davis and all of that stuff. Like that was pretty clearly part of their calculus as well. So, you know, maybe maybe it works better this year because instead of straddling the line with the possibility of trading, they're saying, okay, we're straddling the line by signing Kemba Walker and giving you guys an all-star to work with you, but also sort of giving you guys the reins. And, and you know, that might work better, honestly. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's interesting that they, that they sort of keep trying to do that, that they, that they are still trying to be good for the next, you know, 10 to 15 years or whatever it might be. Um, you know, as opposed to as opposed to going all in, as opposed to you know maybe offering Jalen and all of their picks for Brad Beal or something like that, and maybe that deal is still coming or something. But um, yeah, like that—that's definitely an interesting dynamic this season—is is the fact that they are still trying to straddle that line that they've been trying to work on for a while.
0: Yeah, and that options running out, their draft picks are slowly dwindling down, and the young guys they had are starting time time catches up with everybody. These guys are entering their third, fourth, fifth year in the league now.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's definitely true. I, you know, I, I, they still do sort of have that Memphis pick just hanging on, um, and that that is a real asset. I mean, that's probably probably the best I think uh, draft asset that's been traded, you know, in the NBA right now. Um, you know, I mean, you could argue about some of those Miami unprotecteds that are floating around, um, but so they do still have that. That that is still you know a, a massive chip. But you know, if you're building around Tatum and and Jalen, you know, that's that might be a chip that you just want to use in the draft, especially if. You know, maybe Grant Williams and, and Romeo or any of those young guys sort of show out this season. So, um, yeah, that they're they're dwindling a bit, you know, but they still do sort of have that um, that sort of I don't want to call it a trump card. That sort of uh, that extra card in their hand to play um, like alongside the ace up their sleeve or whatever. What's that? The ace up their sleeve. Exactly, exactly. They sort of sort of do still have that to throw into a trade if need be.
0: So what I want to do now is I'd like to um just kind of flipped the script a little bit we were I was playing a game with a few guys on Twitter the other day and then I actually added it into a podcast episode I just want to see what your take on this is just to see how you fit with the rest of us okay so it was just a simple game of start bench cut and what we did was we took players from multiple different generations um from as far back as the 60s uh, to as recent as like two years ago with Isaiah Thomas Okay. So uh, I'm just gonna shoot three names at you from each position, and just let me know who you'd start, who you'd bench, who you'd cut. All right, let's do this. Okay. So for point guard, we've got Kuzi, Rondo, and IT.
1: So I guess the the tough thing about this is that you uh, like you're you're trying to go inner to inner uh, inner uh, decade uh, comparisons here.
0: Yeah. just so, to make it just to add that extra level.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess you would probably go so I, I guess you're, you're assuming here that IT is, is full health and, and never had the hip issues and everything.
0: Okay yes, yeah, so just some background. everybody's at the peak of their career of what they were in Boston. So this is just based on the player they were while they were in Boston at their peak.
1: Okay. So I guess you would probably have to I mean you know peak IT was all NBA second team MVP candidate. So, I mean I think you would have to you'd probably have to start Kuzey bench it and cut rondo i think okay. um i just think you know Kuzi. obviously you're you're assuming that he would be uh, you know it, that with all the modern um you know advances in in training and uh and everything that he would be as as talented and in, in this year's uh in this year's nba as he as he was in his era um so yeah i guess i'll go with that i'll go with uh, start koozie because you have to go with the guy who you know won however many titles and then uh IT off the bench and then Rondo cut.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah the, the only guy that's chose IT, but I completely understand why. Kuzi and Rondo are very similar. Actually, no, yeah. sorry, one of my co hosts chose um IT as well. In like passing and playmaking ability, Kuzi's obviously better, but mm-hmm. Rondo was kind of like kuzi light. So yeah,
1: and and I mean you know obviously Rondo had the the wingspan, and when he tried on defense, you know he he was he was really good. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I I, and I, I go with it just because I I think that I <laughs> I think as we get away from it's two years or however long in Boston, people are going to kind of forget how incredible that guy was. Um, that he was unbelievable every single night. Like you just every night you couldn't believe what you were watching at his peak. Um, and I I would definitely take that.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the it era. I'm not going to lie at all. I was, was waking up rough. 2 3 4 AM, didn't matter what time it was here, my alarm was set, didn't miss a game while he was in green.
1: <laughs> yeah, and every game he delivered. Like it was yeah, it was I was to happy lie.
0: to be sleep deprived. <laughs> so in shooting guard, we've got Jones, Allen, or White.
1: Jeez. <laughs> Alright. Um so I mean at the peak of their powers, I would I would start Allen, I would Oof, that's tough. I would bench. I'll bench JoJo White and uh, ugh, boy, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I, w- I would start Allen, um, and, and and bench JoJo White, and then, um, yeah, go with okay. those two. I think I think Ray Allen at the p at the, again at the peak of his powers. At p, you know, again, people forget that he was also that he could take guys off the dribble and he could get up for big dunks and also you know at the time he was the greatest shooter. You know. Pre Steph Curry, he was probably he was probably the greatest shooter in in the history of the game. So yeah, I think I think you have to you have to start him.
0: Yeah, people never watch Jesus Shuttlesworth, obviously, because people forget his dribbling ability.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, nobody nobody watched he got game.
0: <laughs> For a small forward, we've got Hondo Pierce and Bird. <laughs> Good lord!
1: <laughs> All right, um, I guess you have to. Go. I mean, you, obviously, you, you start Bird. Um, all all due respect to Havlicek um, and Pierce, but the bench is tough. What do, what do people do for for the bench? Did did most people choose Bird? I assume.
0: Uh, everybody started Bird. Yeah, there wasn't a single person that went. Yeah, different. Yeah, the majority then went Pierce.
1: You know, I think th- I'm, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's generational to a certain extent because how many of us, you know, myself included, have actually even seen. You know enough Havlicek to to have an educated opinion on the subject. I mean, I guess I'll go Pierce, um, but I think that's probably a bad take. Um, all things considered, I, I think that anybody who watched, you know, I mean, you, you talk to talk to Bob Ryan, and you're only going to hear just the most glowing things about Havlicek and how he's, you know, one of the greatest small forwards in the history of the game. So, um, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll ju- I'll buck the trend and I'll go Havlicek and cut Pierce um, as. As wild as that sounds, but I mean that, that trio is that trio is incredible. So, yeah, I'll go. Uh, yeah, I'll go Bird and and Havlicek.
0: Uh, if it makes Mike. you feel better, one guy replied to me and said, "This isn't fair at all. I'd rather cut my <laughs> mother than cut any of these." <laughs> well, hang on to my mom, but yeah,
1: no, I, uh, it's it, he's right that it's not fair. There's no doubt about that.
0: At power forward, it, I mean, there's just an embarrassment of riches, really. At power forward, we've got Tommy, Mikhail, or KG.
1: All right. So this one's oddly enough, easy for me. I'm going, I'm starting KG. Um, I think that he was one of the most impressive defensive minds um, in the history of the game. In addition to also being just a super stud um, offensively. So he's starting and I think I will go. I I mean, I think I'll go McHale as sacrilegious as it seems to cut Tommy um, from the Celtics. Uh, you know, just everything that Mikhail brought to the table, he's, you know, actually, he is kind of the perfect bench player. So if you're building a great bench, uh, you know, Mikhail's ability to kind of come in and get you some buckets in the post would be pretty impressive. Um, So, yeah, KG and then uh, and Mikhail for that
0: one. Nobody picked Tommy. Not one single person.
1: Not, so, not one single. Again, I'll tell you, man, everybody you're talking to, because you're doing a podcast. So everybody you're talking to is too young to actually do this, uh, do this game right. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm with, I, I'm with the youngsters here.
0: <laughs> I actually reached out to people over all social media. I just can't seem to find any old people. It's really difficult. Any <laughs>
1: <Really? laughs> more, uh, Need more old Celtics fans on Twitter. That's the problem.
0: That's the problem. We need to teach them the <laughs> way.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> at center, we've got obviously Bill Russell, Cohen's and Parrish. <sighs> Boy,
1: I will go. I mean, obviously you're uh you're going with Russell um, as the starter, and then I'll go with uh, I'll go with Cowens. Um, take the you know the super high energy guy, who, you know, would sacrifice his body for everything. Not that not that Parish wouldn't, but uh, yeah, again, that's just a that's just a brutal one. But I'll I'll go with uh, Russell and uh, Cowens
0: for my uh, for my two at center. That's a good choice. Most people went exactly the same. There was a few that went Parrish, but okay, yeah. I mean it's easy to take any of those either of those two. You know, Russell's yeah. going to start. The next being is a coin flip.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, that's you can pretty much go up and down the uh, up up and down the roster. I'm curious. With point guard, did you guys did you guys consider putting Kyrie in there?
0: No, 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 no.
1: I mean, he's probably one of the best point guards that's ever been a part of the organization. He's probably better than Rondo.
0: I mean, this is true. This is true. But I want to forget his participation <laughs> in the organization as fast <laughs> as possible. Okay, fair enough. And I feel like part of that is media as well like the media have built things up to be a little bit more probably than what it actually was but i feel like if you're going to be involved in something like that where you're going generational you need to have achieved at least a certain level of success even it had a finals run well
1: uh well, conference,
0: conference finals.
1: finals yeah yeah no that's true and, and i mean it it <laughs> And again, this is going to come back to people forgetting IT and forgetting like how great he was over that stretch. But I mean, I I think just the things that he did were were so unforgettable. And and as great as Kyrie is, it's I don't know that you're going to look back at any of his uh, moments in Boston that except for like the weird ones and, you know, maybe the negative ones and think that was unforgettable. So, um, yeah, no, I. I definitely get it, uh, but I just think in terms of uh, in terms of pure talent, you. I think I would definitely take Kyrie over over Rondo.
0: Oh, for sure. Oh, every day yeah. of the week. The only <laughs> thing I look back on is that advertisement with his dad, where he was saying he wanted his jersey in the Raptors, yeah. and then he bounced. I mean, listen, it was a great ad. Like it at the time, well, you, you watch
1: it, and you're like, "Dang!" I mean, that's really emotional. You know, that's a, a father and the son, and, and the connection between the two. It was it was pretty powerful.
0: Dude, and I, then, I was that big on Kyrie that. I couldn't really find many of his shoes here, and I didn't want to pay the import tax, so I flew to the states just to buy like four pairs. And now I can I mean, never wear them again.
1: That's commitment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of flying back and forth to watch some games. <laughs> um, it's worth it, dude. I like it.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean so- the shoes are great. Listen, if you, I, 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 still hoop in Kyrie's. Like, if if you're if you're looking for something comfortable and affordable, it's uh, it's the way to go.
0: Yeah, I, they're not affordable here. Not oh,
1: okay, guys. <laughs> no that's why i flew dude it was probably cheaper <laughs> i got you yeah in the states i mean states it's like a hundred hundred and twenty bucks it's not too bad
0: yeah they're like um like the halloween kyries are like in dollars probably like 450 i mean that's wild yeah it's just ridiculous so i was like nope that's it i'm booking a flight.
1: i mean i need a new hustle i might have to like start buying kyries and shipping them overseas
0: yeah i'm telling you dude you'll make a killing say less i'm all in yeah <laughs> So moving on, obviously that was just a bit of fun. I've found it really interesting to take get as many people's takes on that start bench cut as possible. And yeah, it kind of puts people on the spot, which is always good to hear their reactions. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah, that was
1: that was fun. I'd been so what so what was my starting five? I had Russell, KG, Larry Bird, um, Ray Allen, and Kuzi.
0: Yep, that's a Boy, solid starting five with a bench of It, JoJo White, uh. Did you go Havlicek? Havlicek, Mikhail, and Cohen's? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> That's like an all-star team through the ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, I
1: think that team might have a chance against the Warriors.
0: Oh, that team's walking all over the Warriors, dude.
1: <laughs>
0: so, moving on, I was just... Obviously, you were there for Summer League. So, I just want to take a bit of time to talk about your intera- interactions... Interactions? Interactions with the players. If you had any, I mean, everybody's talking about Taco at the moment. Is there anything that you can tell us that hasn't already been said? More along the lines of personality than player player ability.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, he's he's a very, very, very pleasant um, individual. Like, just uh, you know, very easy to converse with. um, You know, as long as you as long as you can strain your neck straight up in the air. Um, Just a just a super easygoing guy who. You know, I think he is really he's really done an impressive job of sort of dealing with his celebrity, um, especially given how strange his celebrity is. Like he's sort of this almost like he's not like a human victory cigar, but he is sort of a sideshow almost, you know, to a lot of people. And, you know, he obviously he wants to be more than that. He wants to be, you know, a a, a real contributor, you know, um, and and a real player. And, you know, he does have the potential to do that. But. He is he has he still sort of managed to maintain even in spite of of this very strange very intense celebrity that he's had um, you know hes still managed to maintain just a just a normal um, personality like he's, he's easy to talk to he's he's really great with fans um, I was at a an event yesterday um, just kind of waiting around until he was he was done uh, signing autographs to, to interview him and just every fan that came across you know he would he would shake their hand he would you know little kids would, would ask if they could you know hold their hands up to his hands and he was, he was fine with it. You know, he would, he would do whatever. Um, you know, he wasn't supposed to be taking pictures cause it would hold up the line, but you know, the few fans that sort of like, you know, got through security with their cameras, uh, he would still do it, you know, just because, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, I think he's a really nice guy. Um, I think he's somebody that'll be very easy to get along with. And I think he's nice enough that people in the locker room probably won't resent how famous he is, even though those people in the locker room are probably better basketball players than he is. I, I don't think that, I don't think that's going to be a problem just, you know, because he is so likable and sort of so amiable.
0: And do you agree, like, the way the Celtics have drafted and constructed this roster was with that sort of mentality in mind, that everybody's more team-focused and individual-focused so they can look past any undue fame or any early fame that may come their way?
1: I mean, it's almost comical the the how they bent over backwards to do that this offseason after the... Uh, after the year they had, I mean, everybody they brought in, it was like, okay, is he going to be a good locker room guy? And almost unfailingly, the answer is, yeah, he's as good as they get. Like, I mean, they almost built a team just, like, designed for the media because, I mean, we get to deal with um, Taco. We get to deal with Grant Williams. We get to deal with Ennis Cantor. We get to deal with, you know, even the superstar Kemba. He's a little quiet, but he's, he's very, you know, very you know nice. He'll, he'll certainly, you know, very thoughtful when you ask him stuff and you know he's, he's definitely not a faux intellectual like uh, like Kyrie was so I mean this team that they've built is <laughs> if this team doesn't have chemistry and if, and if they aren't good together I, I don't know what the answer is because yeah I think that you're exactly right that that was a focus and then they've said as much you know they've said that one of the things they looked for and the guys they drafted was you know just like their personality um, so yeah I think there's no question about it that that this team was assembled in part to um, sort of make up for the mistakes of last year's team.
0: I've got to ask. I've got to. I didn't want to, but I have to. What was it like interviewing Kyrie? <laughs> so
1: the thing about Kyrie is that he, like, day to day, you didn't know what you were getting. Like, there would be days where he was really friendly and really funny And when you would get that Kyrie, it was, you know, it was weird because his sentences sort of spiral off in strange directions and they don't always line up um, and they they go on forever and ever. Um, And then there would be days where it would be like two word answers um, and he just hated everyone. And, you know, he was he was very moody. Um, You know, I only had a couple of one on one interactions with him and they were very, very brief. Um, I think the only on the record interview one on one I had with him was. I asked him about, I don't know if you remember that, um, that video that he had where that went kind of viral with him kind of bending all over the place. Like it was like a, he was almost doing like yoga poses and he was oh, sort yeah, of bending. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked him if it was real. Cause that had been like all over the jump and everything that day. And, and you know, he was like, Oh, it was magic. It was magic. And, and I figured out later that the shoes that he was promoting were black magic shoes. So it was just a Nike spot. Um, but that was like that was honestly the extent he he didn't care about any of us he didn't want to talk to any of us um and that was fine you know I mean honestly like players don't have to care about us at all um but he was difficult to deal with just in terms of this is this is the star of the team the superstar and you're only ever going to get him in a scrum you're never going to get him one-on-one you're never going to get sort of a chance to get to know him and You know, that's the way that he wanted it, and that's fine. But it it does make it a little bit more difficult to report on the team when the most important player on the team doesn't really want to talk to anybody.
0: Yeah, he strikes me as a bit of a dick, to be quite honest.
1: (laughs) I don't, see, I I don't think that's actually true. I think that that came across somewhat in media coverage, and we didn't even mean it to, for the most part. I think that he, but it was just like, that was the only side of him that we saw and we could only really report what we saw. We can't really speculate. I don't think he is. I think that, you know, he really just did not care about the media at all. And again, that is completely fine. That's his, you know, that, that that's what he wants to do. And that that was how he wanted to handle it. And I think that in his sort of interpersonal dealings, he isn't one. So, you know, I think he's strange, certainly. And I, and I think that he's, and then, you know, obviously, <laughs> if you just kind of, read his words he's an odd human being but generally i would not say that's true i think that he is he was to us but we're the media you know like we kind of get the deal at this point we've dealt with guys like that before so um you know we'll see what it, how it goes in brooklyn maybe it goes better maybe that's where he wanted to be all along uh and if it doesn't well the nets had some warning this season
0: that's a really fair way of looking at it he handed that really well i would have just been like yeah he's a dick yeah <laughs> <laughs> No,
1: I mean, and honestly, I'm, I, I'm not even just like putting a line out there. Like, I don't think he was. I think that, I, I think he got really sick of the media in ways that were unfair. Uh, I think that he saw a lot of things on social media and assumed that, that it was the media putting it out there. I think that happened a lot. Um, but again, just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really not putting a line out there. I think that in his, in his personal life, he's probably a very nice person, if a little strange, I um, he just was not with us. And, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Like sometimes guys just don't like you. Jeff Green did not like the Boston media, but you go around to any human being who's just had a personal interaction with Jeff Green and they will tell you that he is the nicest person on earth. So, you know, that just that just kind of happens. Like sometimes guys just don't feel they're treated fairly and they take it out on us. And like, you know, it's what it's, it's something that comes with the job and you just sort of get used to it.
0: That's because then there's
1: other guys like Grant Williams who are the exact opposite. So
0: that have a little time in the world. Carson exactly. Edwards is my sleeper for this year.
1: Really like Carson. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I mean, I think he's going to, I think he's going to sort of demand real minutes. It's not like, you know, vocally, I think just the way that he plays, he's going to be, he's going to be pretty good. Um, he, <laughs> he was joking about it, uh, a couple days ago about how he, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, they, they kind of gave me like, you know, like a, as much leash as I wanted in Las Vegas. So he was able to he was able to get a lot of buckets. And yeah, he's he's very aware that this the regular season team, he's not going to be able to do that. So I think it'll you know, it'll partly be a question of how he adjusts to a smaller role like that can be tough for guys who, you know, over his entire career in college and his entire career in high school and even in summer league, he was just given the ultimate green light to just go out and get buckets. And he's not going to be able to do that. You know, but maybe the Celtics will be able to say to him, "Okay, you're going to get 10 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game. But in those 10 and 15 minutes, just go out and shoot, go out and, you know, get to the rim, go out and get to the free throw line, whatever it might be. Um, Yeah, he'll be really interesting to watch this season. He's a very talented player and, you know, he showed a lot at Summer League for sure.
0: Oh, Summer League sent me on a huge Carson Edwards rabbit hole. It was disgusting how much (laughs) I went down that rabbit hole uh synergy every stat site every video site that you can think of i was living that for like four days it was i was just in frog that i didn't know we don't get much college coverage out here so usually yeah. rookies are kind of like um hey here's a new present go and find out what's happening so, <laughs> <laughs> but i don't usually go down that much of a rabbit hole i'm really excited for carson now I know that you're well we're kind of coming towards the end of the podcast so just before we do I've just got one last thing I'd like to ask you and that's yep. just how did you get into mass life how did all that happen because you've got like one of the, everybody's dream jobs
1: Yeah I've got a sort of a strange background story um just in terms like so I took a couple of years out of college um to to play in a band and uh we were pretty good and then I went back to college and finished it up um, got into uh, high school sports reporting out of that I was I was going to school to be a sports reporter um, and then yeah I ended up uh, doing uh, doing high school sports out in Iowa um, where I'm from and then I was also blogging um, about the NBA on the side you know for any number of the, the, the blogs that, that were out there at the time you know in terms of Celtics Hub and, and uh, Celtics Town and I met Jay King who worked at Mass live at the time. Um, through Celticstown and he helped me get a job at Mass live doing high school sports. Um, and then I sort of worked my way up from there, ended up uh, ended up helping him out with Celtic stuff a lot. and then obviously he was hired by the athletic. Um, and so that's how I you know started traveling with the team and just kind of this was, yeah, now this is what I do full time is, is just Celtics uh, covered for Mass live. So it was a uh, sort of a winding road, but it was yeah I mean it's, it's obviously it's uh, it's fun to be here now.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. You've got most people I speak to. I mean, I only speak to Celtics fans. I'm not a soccer fan, so I spend all my time talking basketball. Um, <laughs> sure. You've got our dream job. I mean, you must. It must be fun, It must be hard. You have to. Do you have to travel for the away games as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. It, it's it's an extremely fun job, and, and you always feel bad, kind of complaining about any aspect of it because, yeah, I mean, I. You know, I, I, my job is literally go to basketball games and then write about them. Um, But, you know, I mean, the, the travel can be tough. I have a, I have a two year old son. So he's, you know, anytime that you're away from, away from family, um, it's kind of a grind, especially on some of the nine, 10, 11 day road trips. And especially like, you know, Las Vegas um, is, is a long time every year. Um, But yeah, I mean, all in all, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, you know, as you sort of get into it, you, you definitely, you know, it just becomes fun to to, to get to know guys, you get to know new people, and to and to sort of uh, you know just try to tell their stories. Like, there everybody on this team has an interesting story because just because of where they are. You know, you, no matter who it is, there's there's something to be unearthed. And you know, even even when you start to get some of the smallest little nuggets out of these guys' lives, you sort of realize that you know they're really interesting. <laughs> like, I I wrote an entire feature um, this summer just based off. Um, one conversation I had with, a, one of Romeo Langford's high school coaches where he mentioned that, um, Romeo had, you know, gone to this kid's, uh, that the funeral of this kid's mother, um, and he, like this five-year-old kid and he didn't even really know the kid, but he just like showed up because he heard the kid was a fan and, you know, he just sort of like helped this kid out on this really tough day and, you know, that sort of ballooned into this whole story about how you know romeo is this superhero in his hometown and those are kind of the things that you dig out after a little while it's 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 you know they're they're little stories but they definitely make up who these guys are and that's that's sort of what makes the job really fun is just you know finding those things out and then getting to tell those stories
0: i'm not gonna lie i'm jealous um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, man love well, to do the backstory and build them up sorry did i cut you off there Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, well,
1: man, listen, you're, you're flying out here for Kyrie's. You might have to fly out here to podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, planning that soon, to be quite honest.
1: Okay, there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'd like to say thank you for coming on. I'd definitely like to ask if you'd be happy to come on again during the season, probably close to the All-Star break, so we know where we're at.
1: Yeah, of course, man. Just let me know. I'd be happy to come on.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for listening guys i was about to say thank you to you again but i just did that (laughs) thank you for listening guys if you're new to the podcast please subscribe and leave a review and we'll catch you again later in the week peace